Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How many of you love Jesus today? It's always encouraging, exciting to be able to, uh, to be together on a Sunday morning. We're going to jump into today's message. Before we do so, can we just take a moment to pray and prepare our hearts? Father, we just thank you so much for your word. It's alive, it's effective, it's powerful, and it reaches into the depth of our hearts. It distinguishes and discerns thoughts and tensions. And God, we, we trust you and we open our hearts and our minds to your word. We ask God that you would speak clearly and that you would, Lord, remove anything that would compete with your voice in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We are jumping into our fourth part of this series titled As in Heaven. And we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. Pastor Nate has helped us over the past three weeks. And I encourage you to go and watch those messages if you weren't able to be present. He's helped us to see the algorithm of Jesus as he teaches us how to pray the principles of prayer. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 in the New International Version. This is probably the one that is most common to the majority of us here as we've learned the Lord's Prayer. And it says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then in Luke, it says, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Pastor Nate uh, talked about the different uh, aspects or principles of this algorithm of prayer that Jesus teaches us. First, the person, our father. Second, the power in heaven. Third, praise, hallowed be your name. Fourth, possess, your kingdom come. Fifth, purpose, your will be done. Sixth, palace, on earth as it is in heaven. Seventh, provision, give us today our daily bread. And today, eighth algorithm of Jesus as he teaches us on prayer, pardon, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How many know that forgiveness is a big deal to Jesus? It's a big deal to God. In fact, we just took a moment earlier in the service today to celebrate communion, to look back at the fact that we have received God's grace, his forgiveness. We have been pardoned through the sacrifice of Jesus. He went to the cross so that we don't need to suffer the consequences of our sin. And, uh, and today, uh, as we speak about forgiveness, we need, to, we need to be honest and we need to realize that every single one of us needs a savior. How many say amen to that? None of us can pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. None of us is good in our own efforts None of us, we can be skilled, we can be dedicated, we can be disciplined, but none of us can change or transform our nature in our life. We need God to step in from the outside and to save us, to be our Lord, to be our Savior. Love what's happening in our youth as uh, our youth. Do we have any of our youth present here this morning? Can we give it up for our youth and also for our youth pastors and youth leaders? You guys are... Studying the book of Romans, and Romans is Paul's epistle to the Romans by extension to us. It talks about how uh, we need God to bring salvation into our story. 
Every single one of us has gone on our own path, on our own journey. We've turned our back on God and we have followed our own selfishness, our own desires, our own appetites, and our own cravings. And we have brought damage into our life and we've wreaked havoc in the lives of those who are around us. And it says the following in Romans 3, 23 and 24, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Yet God freely gives us forgiveness and grace through Christ Jesus. How many say, thank you, God, for your forgiveness? Remember the moment when you realize what this meant for your story? When you realize that God isn't only into patching up old lives, but he actually gives us a new life. He makes us new in him. He transforms us. And, it, and it's a gift. There's a gift that comes from God as the forgiver. And then the other side of that equation on the gift is that there's the receiver. So next week is Mother's Day. You've been warned. There's no excuses. Okay. <laughs> Better start making those reservations. Now, remember one, one time I, I asked my wife, our kids were little, and, and I said, hey, Aliyah, what do you want for Mother's Day? She said, can you please just take the kids and leave? <laughs> and <laughs> give me a full day to myself. I need to sleep. And, uh, and we did that. And that, that's one of our favorite Mother's Day. We might do that again this Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. There's, there's a side of a, of, of a gift where there's the giver, and then there's a side of the receiver as well. And so be it a perfume or a meal or flowers or chocolate, whatever you're going to do, a card for, for your mom or for your spouse that's a mother, um, whatever it is, there's the gift, and then there's a side of receiving that. God freely gives his grace, his forgiveness. And so that's for humanity. But it takes us taking the step of receiving it and embracing that forgiveness. And to receive forgiveness, we need to be humble and acknowledge that we need to be forgiven. Because we have all sinned. To sin is to miss the mark. It's to uh, not hit the bullseye of what God has planned for us. It could be by an inch, it could be by a mile, but we still miss the mark. It says in different versions of, of, this, of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts. In uh, the NLT, it says forgive our sins. In the CEV, it says forgive us for our wrongdoing. And then in, uh, in the ESV, it talks about trespassing. About, you know, when you, when you trespass onto a property that is, that is, that, that's not yours, that doesn't belong to you, it doesn't matter if you trespass by a mile or by... Two feet, you're trespassing. And when we break the boundaries that God has set for our health, for our, our, uh, for our purpose in life, for his plan in our life, when we step and we miss the mark, we have sinned and we need him to bring us back into alignment to recalibrate us with his plan and his purpose. How many remember the day when you said, I need a savior in my life. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need him to make me new. Amen. You know what? We offer this opportunity. This is a big part of who we are as a church. We offer this opportunity every single week. And we usually do it at the end of the service, but I actually want to do a little different today. And I want to I give an opportunity even right now. So could you do this? Could you close your eyes for just a moment? 
before we go on with the message and open your hearts. And how many would say, you know what? I realize that today I am far from God. And I realize that I need him to make me new, to change me, to forgive me for my wrongdoing, for my trespasses, for my sins. It could be an inch, it could be a mile, but I need him to forgive me. And I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, can you just, with all eyes closed, can you just raise your hand where you're at? Say, that's me. That's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And this is, this is what we call receiving that gift. God freely gives it today. And we're saying, you know what? I want to receive that. God bless you. Can we do this? Can we pray together? And church, can you pray along? Make this prayer your own. And this is how we receive the gift of God's forgiveness and his salvation. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you died on the cross for me to pay for the debt of my sin. And you're alive today to bring hope into my story. I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for all of our friends that said yes to the Lord today? I'm so excited for you. And at the end of the service, we've got, we've got some uh, further gifts and instructions that I want to give you, but I want to move on with the message right now. Uh, as we turn to God and we receive God's forgiveness for our life, something happens to us. We become a forgiven people. But then God calls us to be a forgiving people as well. We've experienced God's grace this way. And uh, we've said, God, forgive us our debts. You have forgiven us our debt. And we continue to pray that because we will continue to make mistakes at time. We continue to follow Jesus. We might stumble, but we get up and we continue to follow him. And we say, God, forgive us our debts so that we can also learn how to forgive others. This is such a key part of the Lord's Prayer, that it's the only phrase that has a reprise. It's got like, a, like an echo at the end. The prayer ends and Jesus says, hey, let me double down on an aspect of what we just talked about. And it says in Matthew chapter 6, 12 is the portion of the prayer we read, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. But then in verse 14, two verses below, it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So Jesus is like, let me make something really clear. This is not an optional appendix to your faith. This is something that needs to be essential and central to your life, to your relationship with God, and to your relationship with others. Jesus in Luke 17, 1 said that it's impossible that we don't suffer offense. There's always going to be someone that's going to rub us the wrong way. There's going to be frictions. There's going to be sparks flying. There's going to be offense. There's going to, some of it's intentional. Some of it is not. Some of it is uh, obnoxious. Some of it is maybe uh, subtle. Maybe there's a lot of passive aggressive uh, behavior going on. Whatever it is, whatever that uh, offense or that debt looks like, it, we're going to experience that in this life. And we're going to cause a lot of that to others in this life, right? Don't use that as an excuse, right? But this is why we're just being real, right? 
And, and uh, what do we do with that? How do we respond to that? God has a lot to say about it. There's a whole theme throughout scripture in the same way that he models that uh, forgiveness to us. He wants to teach us to follow the example of Jesus. It says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, then verse 32, and do not sin by letting anger control you. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Can I just pause there and say the enemy would love to keep that breach and that foothold that he has caused. He would love to encourage you to not forgive. In fact, he's going to feed the fire of bitterness in our hearts. Because if we cut off forgiveness from others, what did Jesus say? That's going to affect the forgiveness and the grace that we receive from the Father. So if the enemy is able to convince us that we have the right to remain bitter and unforgiving, then he will succeed in keeping that foothold. But if we learn from Jesus that we can find healing and freedom when we forgive, then the enemy has no more access, no more leverage in that area of our life. Amen? It says the following in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive them. Does it say may? So you can decide if you want to forgive? No, we need, because we are forgiven, we need to be a forgiving people. And some of you are getting really quiet okay. You can point at someone and say, hey, listen, God's speaking to you. Text someone right now. Poke someone in the ribs. Say, God's speaking to you. Don't do it. <laughs> Mark 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone who you are holding a grudge against. Isn't that an interesting phrase, to hold a grudge against someone? It's like we're embracing this attitude of unforgiveness, of bitterness, resentment. We're holding on to this and we're unable to receive the grace that God wants to give us. So when we come to pray, to worship, we need to first, as a priority, let go of the grudge so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. The good thing in all this is that Jesus is a perfect model and example. We don't always get good at models and examples in our lifetime, but in Jesus, we learn what it means to truly forgive. We have the clearest picture of what forgiveness looks like. And let me just, as a disclaimer, I want to say, when we're talking about forgiveness, I'm not denying and I'm not diminishing the pain that has been caused to you. I'm not diminishing or denying the injustice that you have suffered. I'm not trying to... Uh, get you to ignore a wound that's been caused or a debt that's happened. Could be a debt in material aspects. It could be a debt in relational aspects. It could be something that's in, in an emotional side. I'm not diminishing that. But what we learn from Scripture is that if we hold on to the anger and the bitterness and the resentment, that wound never heals. And we never move beyond that emotion. So the emotion is there. But don't sin in your anger. Don't give the devil 
a foothold. And so today, as we're learning this, God is actually breaking the weight of yokes that we may have carried for years. And maybe we've held on to this because we are afraid that we'll get in the same situation again. So we use unforgiveness as a defense mechanism. And we use it as a way of of reminding ourselves that I am not going to be exposed to this type of treatment or attitude again. But the reality is that by holding on to bitterness, we are poisoning our soul. We're affecting and impacting our own lives more than we're doing anything to the person that hurt us. Love what it says in uh, what Lewis B. Smeads, great author, says, forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into a hope for our future. Isn't that good? To forgive is not necessarily to forget, but rather to move forward. To forgive is not to defend the intentions of the one that has hurt us. To forgive is not to write off the pain that it's caused, but to forgive is to decide, you know what? There's an open wound and I want it to heal. I had a, I've got a scar on my finger here and I've got a picture up on the, on the screen. The reason I put all five fingers up is because it's the middle finger that got hurt. It'd be really awkward to tell the story without the other four fingers. If it's my pinky, I would have just done this, right? But I was building a fort as a little kid and uh, smashed my finger between two rocks and I, you know, and I had to get some stitches. And uh, so I still have, this is years, decades later, I've still got the scar. It didn't delete that event in my life. I remember it was painful. I remember a lot about that moment. But the reality is because that wound is healed, this finger is fully functional. If I had kept that wound open, guess what? It would have infected the rest of my hand and my arm, and it would have infected my whole body. And it could have been deadly to me as a person. When I forgive, I acknowledge that there is a wound. I acknowledge that there is a debt, that there's an injustice. But what I do is I present that to God. And I say, God, I need you to do surgery in this aspect of my life. I need you to step in and I need you to bring healing. Open wounds can keep us trapped. Another great quote by Lewis B. Smeads, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. And today is a day for freedom. How many say amen to that? And I'm praying, I'm praying that God today will lift burdens that maybe you've carried longer than you can remember. Maybe you've even grown accustomed to the weight of, 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 the, of an open wound. And, uh, and today God is going to bring a releasing of that and he's going to begin a work of healing. To forgive is not to permit. Doesn't mean that you're allowing, that you're welcoming this to happen again. I want to tell you a, a real clear example, a story of my dad growing up. Uh, there was a neighbor on our street that borrowed money from him. I don't know how much it was. I was in my early teens. And uh, he borrowed money, and my dad is a generous guy, so he, he, uh, he spared him some money. And then this neighbor came back and wanted to borrow some more, but he hadn't paid back the initial amount. And so this was really interesting. It was kind of one of those life lesson moments for me. 
How my dad dealt with it was something that taught me much more than uh, neighbor ethics and uh, management of money. It was a life principle. What he said is, you know what? I'm not going to lend you any more money because you didn't pay me back the first loan. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to gift that first loan to you. I release you from that debt, but I set up a boundary so that there is no more debt that is inflicted, okay? And, uh, and that, to me, is a perfect picture of what boundaries and forgiveness look like. It's we, we, we surrender the debt that is owed to us, the injustice, the pain. We bring it to God and we say, God, I don't want to carry this. I don't want to plan revenge. I don't want to... I don't want to you know, wake up and feel the weight of bitterness. I want to turn it over to you. I want to surrender it to you. And I want to ask you to start bringing forgiveness and healing into my heart. And he begins to scar the wound and he begins to bring freedom in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts. And, uh, and we don't have to expose ourselves to get in the same position. We learn from our experiences. Isn't it interesting that in the Bible we're commanded to love one another we're commanded to forgive one another, but we're not commanded to trust one another. Some of you are like, you grabbed your purse real quick. You're like, <laughs> your pockets. I'm not saying you need to like mistrust the person next to you. But what I am saying is that there's a lot of warnings in scripture about putting our trust in people. And, uh, and we maybe have confused forgiveness with trust. And that has prevented us from forgiving. Because we're unable to trust someone, we don't want to be exposed. So we've held on to bitterness as a defense so that we're not in the same position. You know what? We can forgive. We can surrender, let go, give that to God. And at the same time, let trust be rebuilt on the foundation of works, not words. Trust is not an automatic thing. It's not a given. It's not something that can be demanded. It is something that needs to be built. And if it's broken, it needs to be rebuilt over a long period of time, maybe. But you can forgive today, even if you can't fully trust a person. Because forgiveness is about our own freedom. Forgiveness is a decision that we affirm daily. It's an exercise of mercy. And we become stronger and great. Someone said forgiveness is like an onion. It's got a bunch of layers. And maybe we got to deal with the layer at a time as it comes to mind. As the Holy Spirit brings it to our heart. We begin to surrender and, and give that to God and ask him to bring healing and freedom in that area of our life. Maybe that's why Jesus said to Peter, 70 times seven. Because he's like, you know, you need a few reps in this. You need to get better at this. You need to practice this until it becomes second nature to us. Because a forgiven people should be a forgiving people. Amen? Look at what it says in... Uh, why don't we all clap? That was, that was uh, a good moment to clap. Even if it's just in solidarity, you know, it's, I, I never want to discourage you from jump-starting and applause, right? The Mayo Clinic says the following in, a, in an article that they, that they posted uh, some time ago. These are the benefits when it comes to forgiveness. Healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, improved self-esteem. A lot of very positive impacts on our body and our mental health when it comes to forgiving. Guess what? Lack of forgiveness 
has a big detriment to our, to our lives in general. Holding a grudge against someone only holds you back. Love this phrase, a bitter heart eats its owner. A phrase attributed to Nelson Mandela, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. It doesn't do anything to them. It just poisons our soul. And then Dale Carnegie said, when we hate our enemies, we give them power over us, power over our sleep, our appetites, and our happiness. That's why Jesus says, bless your enemies, pray for them. Don't give room to bitterness in your heart. Learn through the repetition of forgiveness to think about what God has done for us. And then we begin to practice that to others. Matthew 6, 12, again, is our, that's is our, our main text. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. There is a correlation. There is a measurement thing going on. And uh, thank you so much, McKenna, for helping me out with this. We just had a communion. We just prayed for God's forgiveness. We're like, we're aware of the fact that we need grace in our lives. How many say amen to that? We're like, Lord, pour it all out. I need it all, God. I need more. Do you, can I get a refill, please? And then uh, we want a ton of grace from God because we're aware of the fact that we need it. But then someone else comes and offends us and uh, looks, gives us a stink eye or looks at us kind of weird or, or maybe cuts us off in traffic as we're leaving church today. And we're like, no, you don't deserve this. We look for the right measurement of how much forgiveness and grace I should give you. Kind of, no, that's a bit much. No, I, no, you need to, you need to be better at driving. No, this is a bit much too. Get my other set here. We dig for the smallest, the smallest of these. We're like this, even this feels like a lot. You need to learn your lesson. I'm going to be bitter at you for months, not tell you so that you learn your lesson. It doesn't even make sense. We're like, you know what? That even seems like too much. And we're like, there's got to be another way to do this. And, and then we look and we're like, okay, I've got, I've got just a pinch. And we're like the grace bay, right? And we're just like pouring grace. So we're like just a couple grains of salt to, uh, to try to forgive. And God is saying the measurement that you use is actually going to determine how much you get from heaven. And so he says, we need to learn to be abundant in our forgiveness if we want to experience God's grace as well. Amen? Look at what Jesus said as he was uh, talking to Peter. Peter in Matthew 18, 21 says, he came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And Peter's feeling pretty generous. And, and Jesus says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You need to get in the habit, you need to exercise forgiveness and grace towards others. As you appreciate grace from God to your life, get in the habit of exercising that for others. As a family, we have this rule. We, we, uh, we have a, like a Graham's lexicon that we use at home. We try to say please all the time. We try to say thank you all the time. We say I love you often. And then we uh, often say I'm sorry and we often say, I forgive you. These are common. We don't outgrow these phrases. I don't think anyone should. We need to all, throughout our whole life, be good, be quick 
at asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness. Sometimes uh, when Anali and I have a little bit of a disagreement and uh, we have a little bit of a tension that happens, um, we will break the ice, even though it doesn't feel fun at the moment, and one of us will try to beat the other one and say, I forgive you. Before the other one has apologized, right? And then there's always that trap. There's, and don't, I mean, I've, I've figured this out. She would say, for what? And then I would, because you did this, 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 this. And then she's like, oh. I figured it out. I don't, I don't do that. I don't tell her. I'm like, you know, you know why I forgive you, right? So, well, no, I forgive you more because you need more forgiveness. And, uh. And it turns into a little bit of bantering, but we have, this is a, a, a rule that we've stuck to over, over the years. Um, when we know we have to have a conversation and uh, we need to put our cards on the table, we need to sort something out, there, it, it might not always be the best time. Um, sometimes Analia would, you know, she would wake me up at one in the morning, want to talk, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not very lucid. This is probably, it feels more like an ambush than a reconciliation moment. And I'd be like, why don't we get up at five in the morning and talk? You know, and so, but, so we've come to an agreement where we can both say, this is not a good time for me. But then we need to pick a good time within the next 24 hours. And so we can't delay it. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. Don't give a foothold to the enemy. And so we've, we've practiced this over the years and we have said, and we've had, we forced ourselves to have the harder conversations to keep forgiveness current and grace current and at the center of our relationship. And it has strengthened our bond and it has given us peace and it has given us health as individuals and as a relationship. We practice this all the time. We have learned to be quick to apologize sincerely, not just uh, out of, out of obligation, but since you're, and not, you can't say, I want to ask you forgiveness, but I only did this because you did this, 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 and this is why I did it. Don't explain, don't justify, because then you, you just messed up your apology, right? Own it, own what you did, ask for forgiveness, and don't demand it, because forgiveness is a gift. It's not something that you're owed, it's a gift, right? So, Jesus goes on to teach some more on forgiveness in Matthew 18, 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought to him who owed him millions of dollars. This is generalized, but if you look at and did some of the math, it would be the equivalent to 200,000 lifetime wages. So if you earned $40,000 a year, it'd be $8 billion. It's something you can never pay. There's no way you could pay it. I don't know how he got in that much debt. But it's just the, the principle is he, he, there was no way he could pay it. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debts. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Master knew he wasn't able to do it. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave him his debts, cleared his debts. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. 
Be patient with me and I will pay it. The exact same phrase he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him about everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servants, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your hearts. We have received grace, salvation, an incredible debt that's been lifted. It was covered by Christ on the cross. We're a forgiven people. And we need to be a forgiving people. There should be no people more forgiving than the followers of Jesus. Well, how do I know if I have to forgive someone? You might have someone in mind right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing someone to mind. But here's a couple questions to wrestle with. Maybe you dwell on a debt that is owed to you, on an injustice of your pain. You find yourself thinking about debt and injustice often. And you, you think, they owe it to me. I'm going to make them pay for this. If this is something that consumes your thought or it's present on your mind, maybe at night, maybe on a commute, maybe when things settle down, it just kind of keeps on coming back, then maybe it's time to release that to God. Say, God, I want to find freedom. I want to find healing. I don't want to carry this anymore. I want to turn it over to you. I believe you are righteous. You're just. You're a fair God. And I don't need to wait for the other person to come and ask me for forgiveness. I can start that today. I can make that choice, that decision today. Maybe you keep a list of what's been done to you, the things that someone has said, how they've talked behind your back, how they cheated on you, they stole from you, they lied to you. And you got all that very present and you've done this to kind of defend yourself. And you've created a, a wall around yourself. But that wall's built with bricks of bitterness. And it's only isolating you. And it's only pulling you away from the purpose and the freedom and the health that God wants for your life. Maybe there's someone that you want to be punished. And again, I'm not diminishing. I'm not dismissing the pain and the depth of the injustice that's happened to you. But you find yourself thinking all the time, this person needs to be punished. This per there's like a a thirst for justice and almost revenge that's happening. And that's a lot to carry around. And it's impacting your thoughts. It's impacting your relationships. Today's a day where you can say, God, you're the judge. I'm not. I'm going to just turn it over to you. I'm going to let go. I'm going to release it. And you're like, I, that's too much. That's too hard to do. Here's the good news. When God asks us to do something, he come along, comes alongside and he strengthens us. His Holy Spirit helps us to do that. It says in Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He will give you the desire and he'll give you the strength, the power, the follow through to be able to do this. And it, it may be a day at a time, maybe 70 times seven where you exercise and say, God, I don't feel like forgiving but I remember your grace and I remember your example 
And I know that this is something you've asked me to do. And I don't want to cut myself off from your supply of grace today. And I choose with your help to forgive this. And I release this. And we turn it into an automatic reaction and response when the memory of that wound comes. And before we know it, we begin to see it scar and we begin to see it heal. Here's some recommendations for stepping forward in forgiveness. Remember God's cancellation of our own debts. Ask God for his forgiveness of our current sins. Identify the debts which has caused you pain or caused others pain. And then cancel that debt in your heart by giving it to God. You're turning it over to God. It's his debt to deal with now. Release and renounce all feelings connected to that debt. Offense, bitterness, hatred, the desire for revenge. And begin praying daily for the person that has harmed you. That's a hard thing. But you can't pray for someone daily and hate them daily. Something happens as we begin to bless our enemies. That's what Jesus taught us, right? Something happens in us before it happens in them. And God begins to move our hearts to a flourishing place, to a place of freedom and health. Seek out reconciliation if it's possible. I'm going to read the same text that we started with from the Lord's Prayer, but I want to do it from the Amplified Version as we get ready to take a moment to sing and respond. Matthew 6, 12, 14 through 15, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. So I'm letting go of the wrong that they did and the resentment that I've harbored. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the results that interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive you your trespasses. God's called us to freedom. He's called us to health. He's called us to wholeness. Let's not let bitterness stand in the way of that. Would you stand with me today? We're going to go into a song right now. I want to encourage you to do the following as we're singing. Listen for the voice of the Spirit as He applies a word to your heart, to your life. He may point out an area that you need to surrender to Him. And maybe you're not ready to do it now, but maybe you can take the first step and say, God, I've identified it. Give me the strength. Give me the help. With your help, I can do this a day at a time, a rep at a time. 70 times 7 if it takes it that long. And maybe there's an area, maybe someone that you realize God points out, it's someone that you've harmed, you've wronged, and you right away you're like, well, that wasn't my intention. It doesn't matter. We hurt people without intention sometimes. Maybe God will give us the opportunity to begin that process of healing in their lives. If we can just say, you know what? I acknowledge this hurts. And I acknowledge my responsibility. And I don't defend it, but I want to say I'm sorry. And I'm praying that God will continue to heal you. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.